Thanks for joining us today for another episode of What's New in Adapted Physical Education. I'm Melissa Bittner, Associate Professor at California State University, Long Beach. Through our U.S. Department of Education grants, we're able to bring adapted physical education experts to our campus for workshops for our master scholars. We recognize the impact these experts have on the field of adapted physical education and thank them for their continued support to train the next generation of APE specialists. I have my colleague, Dr. Amanda Young, who will introduce two of our master scholars who will be uh, interviewing Dr. Lisa Silliman French. Hi all, Amanda here. Um, wanted to introduce our OSEP scholars that are doing our interviews today. So we've got Nikki. Nikki completed her undergraduate studies from McPherson College in Kansas, where she played for the women's tennis team. Uh, she possesses a K-12 single subject PE teaching credential with an emphasis in special education. She is in her second semester as a Project CAPE scholar here at Long Beach State. Uh, hi, Nikki, welcome. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. We also have Anthony joining us today. Anthony is currently attending CSULB, pursuing his Master's of Art in Adapted Physical Education and part of our Project CAPE program. He has received his undergraduate degree in kinesiology in PE and his single subject teaching credential he earned here at Cal State Long Beach. He has experience and background in strength and conditioning and personal training. And he's also currently substitute teaching in the Garden Grove Unified School District. Welcome, Anthony. Hello, hello, everyone. Great. We're so glad that you all have joined us. We'll let you take it away to introduce our guest today. All right. So I'm going to introduce Lisa Solomon French. So Dr. Lisa Solomon French is a professor emerita at Texas Women's Emer Emerita. Emerita. <laughs> at Texas Women's University with over 35 years of service to the field of adaptive physical education. Dr. Sylvan French taught APE in the public sector for 16 years in North Texas and taught over 20 years in higher education at Texas Women's University. During her time at Texas University, Dr. Sylvan French has, was also awarded an OSA personal preparation grant to fund graduate scholars in APE. In addition to preparation grants, she also chaired many doctoral dissertation committees and master's thesis committees. Her outstanding men mentorship and exemplary teaching is evident in our field and carried on by, on by many. So I'm going to pass it on to Nikki now. All right. Dr. Solomon French, we would love to know a little bit more about your professional background related to adapted physical education, APE. Very good. Well, first, thank you for having me. It's been nice to get know, to know both of you, and it's an honor to be here at the university with Drs. Bittner and Young Ellis. So thank you for having me. So how did I start out in APE, my little bit of background? I was a student in physical education at SUNY Cortland State University in New York College at Cortland, and I was actually just going to be a general PE teacher with athletic training and I really love that field and I just love sports so w when I was finishing up my final year my fourth year my last semester I took a class called introduction to adapted physical education I had no idea what that meant so I just took the class because we're supposed to take the class and I started working with a young student who was one-on-one -on -one, just like your practicums you have here it was the same thing there practicum there and she just didn't talk and everything every time I ta taught her a skill she just wasn't getting it and I was just absolutely could not understand why this was happening so that's where my life began 
in the field. I just literally dropped athletic training and I said I want to be a physical education teacher for students with disabilities once I started understanding this process. So I, I heard about a program down in Texas. I'm from upstate New York and I said well, I guess I could go to Texas. I would like to get my master's and learn more about this program. And I went down to Texas Women's University. And at that time, out-of-state tuition was $6 a credit hour. <laughs> <laughs> so I was all excited because I could afford that. And so my parents set me down in a car, and I drove down to Texas uh, with another friend of mine. And I went to uh, Texas Women's University to get my master's, and I just loved it. And I worked. I always felt that if I... I never really wanted to get my doctorate, so that wasn't in my plan. So I started working in the field, and I worked in three different school districts. But during that process, I really felt as though it was something I really wanted to learn more about. So the next avenue for me was to earn my PhD, and so I just kept going. And I put a lot of years in the field, and I received my PhD. And so that really helped me as a professor was to get that those experiences under my belt before I taught at a university. So I taught part-time at U University of North Texas and TWU until I went full-time at TWU. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, similarly, I also have like come across where a lot of individuals don't know what adaptive physical education is. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's, you know, when IDEA passed, it's, that's kind of when adaptive physical edu education came about. But, you know, it's I'm interested to see going forward in the years to come to see how much it has grown because I want to get that word out and yeah. you know just to inform people hey this is a profession and like a lot of individuals could benefit from this so yeah I agree with you in that it's amazing to me that we are still we talk about this today how we we're still asking the same questions like what is adaptive PE and it's been around since way before 1975 mm -hmm. I mean we, uh, you know it's when we started with the our education law and began there but before that it was uh, developmental physical education we had recreation for individual disabilities so developmental physical education for individual disabilities so it, it's been around a long time but it's I agree with you with somehow we need to get the word out better and you all have the advantage now with social media like mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. such an advantage with social media yeah so that really helps we used to do snail mail and stuff so now we're into social media right so that's just quite helpful <laughs> um you had mentioned dr benner and dr young which you know anthony and i have the pleasure of being mentored by now mm -hmm. um and so can you tell us a little bit more like about or tell us about your ape family tree and how they kind of tie into that yes when i went to, which, so it started out, first of all, my tree started out with the little seed with that little girl. Mm. That's how it, my life began in AP. Then I went to TWU and I was influenced by three faculty, doctors Jean Pfeiffer, Ron French, and Claudine Sherrill. And they helped me in different ways. So each one had their part in my life. And they were both, they were all three were part of my master's program and dissertation. But I ended up working closely um, with Dr. Claudine Sherrill for a while because um, she got me involved right away. I went, she took the first semester there, I went to the Pan American Wheelchair Games. I had, so I really got, she embedded me into the program straight away. So she got me involved right away. And we just ended up becoming really good friends, but friends with a line because she was my professor. So she got me involved in a lot of her, her uh, work. And then I started really reaching out to more pedagogy, and that would be Ron French with behavior management. And that's where I ended up doing my doctorate. And, in that research area. But I also was influenced by Drs. 
Henderson, Hester Henderson, and LaVey. So you see it kind of branches out, starts out here, and then mm -hmm. I branched out. So I did work, and I'm still working with Dr. LaVey on stuff. So it, it's really nice that um, you start out there, and, and we have a small profession, mm -hmm. and you kind of know everybody, but you start working under people's wings as an under as a doctoral student. And Hester and Barry helped me out a lot, along with Drs. French and Claudine Cheryl. Very good. Yeah. Thank you for that. So now we're going to get more into talking about your program and experiences at Texas Women's University. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, it was a disaster my first semester. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, except I really was intrigued by working with individuals with disabilities. So I came down for my $6 a credit hour, and I got a little scholarship for $200 a year, which gave me $3 a credit hour. So it was worked out quite nicely. I was not on the grant my first year. But I remember seeing all the students on a grant, and I couldn't figure out what they were doing all the time. They were always busy. So I ended up working to make, to make sure I could survive through my first year of my master's program in a residential facility. Have you all ever been in a residential facility? Probably you're too young. You can't say that I personally have. Yeah. So now with the individuals with severe intellectual disabilities generally are now in homes in communities and they're supervised. But back in the 80s, 87, they had a residential facility where all the students, young adults, were in one facility. And that's where I worked as an APE teacher. So I worked there for two years to, to get money to uh, get myself through school. Then on my second year, I was on the grant which really helped me out a lot because then it opened my world a little bit more at my program at TW. I got involved with CP sports, Special Olympics, dwarf sports, wheelchair sports. Um, it just really opened my mind to what was going on in the world. So in the back of my mind, I still liked working with individuals with severe, profound intellectual disabilities. So I would try to get that population involved. And we actually brought students with uh, our, our population from that residential facility to Special Olympics. And we just really had a successful time getting them out of that facility into the community. So we did roller skating, we did Special Olympics, we did bike riding. So that's how I was exposed to a lot. TW exposed me to a lot of sports, a lot of pedagogy in the public school, teaching, and it just really helped me grow. To, you know, to a field that I eventually fell in love with. Right. How fun. Mm. It was really great. Well, you know, I, I was a student. I struggled. I don't know how you all as undergraduates. I was a struggling student, like a 3.0 student. And you're just barely, why do I have to take geography? Why do I have to take, <laughs> you know, I don't want to take that. I want to take play sports. But then I finally hit a field where all of a sudden, I don't know if you feel this way as a doc, graduate student now, you're excelling. Because it's something that you really want and you really are starting to understand. So that's kind of how I was. I, Dr. Pfeiffer brought me in her office. She goes, you have a 2.99. You have to get a 3 point something or better in order to stay in our program. I got all A's. Totally. <laughs> so she kept me. <laughs> it does help when, you know, you're doing something that really interests you and love yes. is behind that. So yeah. it just really captures your attention and yeah. in result, you know, leads yeah. to better grades because I feel the same way. High school, you know, I was like, oh, you yeah. know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Where yeah. I'm going. But then college hit and I got found a field that interested me and right. kind of yeah. took off from there. Mm -hmm. Luckily. I'm a great student now. I'd like to Isn't say. it nice? We grow up a little bit and we really like what we're doing. Yeah, it just takes a little bit for some of us. And I was one of those. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing your story with us. So sure. I'm going to move on to the next question. So looking back specifically on the higher education teaching aspect of your career, what have you found to be the most rewarding? For me in the higher ed, number one would be teaching. I absolutely love being in a teaching environment. I just feel like I'm in another world, but my focus is the students and I'm try and I try to figure out how to make sure everyone is learning whether it's me walking around, moving you around. And I, my philosophy is every seven minutes, we are going to do something together, whether it's break into little groups like we did today, so you don't lose teaching a class. Truly, if, if you get a class right after lunch, it's like the worst nightmare of all. So <laughs> it, it is. So you have to figure out ways to be really creative to make sure that people are learning. That's what you want. Whether it's like Dr. Bittner was telling me and Dr. Young Ellis was telling me that you have a gymnasium right off your uh, teaching class here in your lab or you have a gymnasium so you could teach and then we go in the gym and move you around. Yes. And that, that application is so fantastic here. So we did the same at the university where I came from. I would teach in the classroom. We'd go right to the gym and most of the times I taught in the gym because if to keep you moving academic games we talked about a little bit today keep you moving and that is the better way to learn so application uh, is how I try to make sure you learn so all those years of experience even though we have a book for the class uh, I can say that I used it to guide me but most of the time I used examples like the movie posters and going those things really make a difference you'll listen at stories as opposed to let's read this law Ugh. you know give me an application to the law and then we'll learn you know yeah. or like give me a lawsuit and i'll learn i won't do that again so um so teaching was not, the second thing was as i was growing with teaching i started to learn to work with doc teaching was uh doc I'm sorry, mentoring students with getting earning their PhD, writing their dissertations is considered teaching at our university. So that was the next most rewarding for, thing for me because that was a challenge and that was really hard for me to learn how to mentor doctoral students because they're getting smarter and I always need to be smarter. So you got <laughs> yeah. so you just have to make sure you're up to date on the literature because they start reading and learning and they become really bright in the field and that's what and you just mentor them and the relationship is really nice so that is extremely rewarding uh, working with a doctoral student uh, and learning about their study their research study and watching them go through that process is extremely rewarding and the last thing is. Uh, student learning your students it's just when you're on campus I don't know how your faculty feel but when we see you and you say hi to us you have no idea the impact that puts on us we love it and just like little like uh, Dr. Young would come into my office and bring me little snacks and it's just like oh god this student is wonderful <laughs> and then uh, Dr. Bittner would bring her daughter over and I love kids and she knows I love kids and I would play with her daughter and just things like that is and you really... gave me all the dark chocolate and I love it <laughs> <laughs> they would eat yeah you're right so that interaction with students is really fun from undergraduate to graduate to doctoral it's really re extremely rewarding yeah. I love the university I had a great time there yeah it was a good time yeah, I agree with you too, Lisa. That uh, building rapport with your uh, your staff and like teachers really like really, like builds a bond with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it creates a, like a more engaging learning environment too. It does because then you have, the students want to learn. Mm -hmm. They like you as a professor. You're not getting there to try to. You're not getting them to try to like you because you're there focusing on how to make this a learning environment for the student and the environment. You're trying to figure out how to make this a really good learning environment. And all of a sudden the students start liking this environment. So they like to be there and they like to be there with you because they want to learn from you. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice way to put that. I really appreciate you saying that, <laughs> Anthony. That was nice. Yeah. 
All right, so I'm going to move on to the next question. So during your career, you also had a personal preparation grant. Would you be able to tell us more about your experience with it? Yes. Uh, I, when I was working in the public school, we worked collaboratively with Texas Women's University. I, wasn't, I was teaching there part-time, but uh, the grants were there through Dr. French. And so he, I ran his grant, kind of like you are all part of their – I did what you did, but in a different aspect. I was paid through the university, so similar. So I helped run it with the students and help manage that. So I learned a lot about it. So when it was my turn to write the grant, I didn't. we didn't get it the first time around. It's a collaborative effort, it's a team. So it's like you have two faculty here, they probably had other faculty write it together. So it's a, it's a couple, like three to five faculty that write this grant together. But then one is, there's one person that's in charge of it. So I wrote it, we wrote it the first time, we didn't get it. So then the next year, during that year, I went to Chicago and learned how to strategically write a little bit better. And I went for one week, it was, it was phenomenal, and then I came back and we rewrote that grant. And we got that grant, and that's just was really inspiring. So we got that grant for five years, and you get do you know how much money we get for those grants to help fund you all. Uh, you probably just know your no paycheck, idea. right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like one point two million for oh, five wow. years. Yeah, but we divided up. We 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 have to justify every single bit of that money. Okay, D just a sidebar. When I was on the grant back in nineteen eighty nine. I got five hundred dollars a month. That was what I received. So I don't know what you received now. Don't say no. it. Uh, don't say <laughs> it. <a lot. laughs> but so then, when I had the when we had the grant, it was collectively at, at the university. We um, funded the students. All their tuition was paid, which was quite nice. You get a stipend for that. So that was really that was real nice how that, how that grant worked out. So, um, but to make that work, you need a really good students to help run the grant. You can, we can't run it without y'all. You need a really good grant secretary or administrative assistant. You need to have someone that knows what they're doing paperwork-wise. I had Dr. Bittner was my um, like uh, grant coordinator. I don't even know what we named you. What was your title? Oh, that sounds fancy enough. For yeah, me. we'll put her in that. Okay, <laughs> but she kept me scored away on because it's a really big project and you have to justify everything. So everything you do on your grant. We have to monitor and make sure we do everything. So in the end of this five-year grant, I only turned back. Let's see if Dr. Bittner can beat this. I, tur <laughs> I turned back only $1,000. Mm. Yeah. Some people turn back a lot. That's pretty good. And if it wasn't for my administrative assistant, I would have spent it. But she kind of <laughs> kept the reins on me, wouldn't let me spend it. So it's a lot of money that you spend, but it's on the students, and it's purposeful, and it's functional, and it's what we need to help our field, just like you said earlier, is how are we going to be known in our field. And that's why you guys go to these conferences and learn and talk about our field. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know I'm very grateful for the grant that they work so hard in getting for us. And, yes. You know. It's not easy to get the grants, I can tell you that. So it's nice when they get it because we have funding to support you, to train you for the children out there. You have a high need for adapted PE in your state here. Mm -hmm. and so it's really, you need it. So it's really nice that you have the grant here. It's quite nice, yeah. yeah. So thanks, Dr. Benner and Dr. Young. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, very nice. Yeah, I didn't know that there was like so many uh, other components that goes into like writing a grant and like getting it all processed. Yes. But yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. And you have to have a really good rapport with the person that does the budget too, because they want to know where the money goes every single second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next question. So, is there anything that worries or excites you about the future of uh, the AP profession? Let's go with excites me, because we already <laughs> could tell, probably. You know, just being around students that are positive, that want to learn, uh, just le learning about your project. And just what you just said today, you have 
a young adult here. Mm-hmm. This is so fantastic mm-hmm. that you do that and you have your, your uh, guests come into your classroom today. So really nice practicum things. You have really nice faculty. I, and I love, I follow you all on Twitter. I'm not so great on it, but I do know all about it. It's just now that I'm doing other things in life, like making hummus and falafel. Um, <laughs> I No, I like to follow you all, so I see what you do. So that's really exciting to see what other programs, not just Cal State Long Beach, but other programs, what they're doing in the field for all children with disabilities. So that's really exciting to see that our program is still running. What worries me, I think just one thing that worries me is communication, that we don't, we get on our little, we leave, we do our own thing, and we don't, we we lose that we were just came from here, wherever we came from, and we don't communicate and collaborate. So collaboration is really important. So whatever we do in the field, whether you continue on in your education, just try to keep collaborating with people so you do best for students with disabilities. That's what our main goal is. That's our goal, mm-hmm. whether we do, and it's best to do it as a team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not to just go off on your own and this is my program, I do this, I, I, I. You don't want that style. We did this together. Like, right. we wrote this grant together. We do this together. It's it's a collaborative approach. And collaboration and just, like, um, professional growth, just because things are always mm-hmm. changing. And like you mentioned earlier, when mm-hmm. you were mentoring, mm-hmm. you know, they're all their education's always improving, so kind of mm-hmm. just staying. When you get out into the field, it's important not to say stagnant. And just keep learning and keep growing with the things that are. Keep in touch with your Mm -hmm. your professors that you wherever you come from. Keep in touch. Like when I left, when I graduated from TWU, I still kept in touch with like Dr. Cheryl. She was a big. We met every month for lunch. I always met with her. I know know that y'all don't know her, but she was a wonderful researcher and mentor. And I met with her, and we traveled together. And that that collaboration, and that was a really nice thing to keep. And it kept me, because she was always researching, that kept me what was going on in the field. So I knew what was going on in the field. So this next one might be a little bit difficult to answer because you've accomplished so much in your career. But what is one accomplishment that you're very proud of? Okay, I have two. Is that okay? Yes, but they're short. Absolutely. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> so here's the book that um, this is a book with Claudine Cheryl. And I just picked it up out of Dr. Young. Uh, young Ellis, Ellis Young is her office, and that she, I didn't, I know she did this, but she dedicated this book to my husband and I and her family, which was really, really nice. But one thing that we did is, I wrote a chap, two chapters in this book, which and one I wrote with Dr. Cheryl, one I wrote with Dr. French and Cheryl. So that was a really great accomplishment. That I can just tell you, this is a quick little story. I was in her house typing up this entire book with her spending the night and doing this and then she went off to Hawaii and she left me with everything to mail out I was such a nervous wreck <laughs> but I finished typing it and fixing it for him tabbing it all tabs everywhere and I mailed it out for her the next day I was so exhausted they left to go to Hawaii while I was still in the house and I finished it up and but this was a great accomplishment the second little one was of course receiving that federal grant that was a really nice accomplishment yeah those are the two Lovely. Yeah. Um, so kind of to wrap this up a little bit, what advice, and you can give a few pieces of advice, would you give master's students studying adaptive, adapted physical education? This is going to be a zinger on you, but right. I really think <laughs> it's important. It. <laughs> if you can travel internationally, whether it's during your program or after your program, and somehow 
get you'll make it in life don't worry about money somehow you'll make it just go study for one semester one summer or a year if you can collaborate with another program if you could go somewhere because it will open your eyes to a whole nother world and it's a fascinating to get out of your element and not stay in the state that you're in and go somewhere else and see, especially internationally. Mm -hmm. That is such a great experience. And if you can't do that, then try to do it through um, a conference, like go to your professors and say, there's a really great conference in Turkey next May, and I would really like to go. Is there a way I can get funded to go? When we were on our grant, we funded the students. We went to Alaska, we went to Trinidad, or, I'm sorry, um, not Trinidad, Alaska and one other. Puerto Rico? No, I wouldn't whether it may hit me in a minute. I can't believe I can't think of it. Anyway, I took the students to Norway in one place. We went to Norway. We funded it ourselves. I didn't do it off the grant. and But we went. We found money and we all went. So if you could find a way to go just to see something else internationally, it's really good. That would be a really, really great experience. The second thing is experience as much as you can here. If this is your program here, get out there and go as just I know that you're working, you're trying to survive, but take the time to go see other things that are happening in the field because that will really make your mind think and you'll think and you'll get better and better and better. Yes, we do um, actually have an opportunity. It's called Best in the Business, where each month we go observe an AP teacher out in the field in different districts. Nice. And yeah, it's definitely a great learning experience because every district does things differently. Mm -hmm. Every teacher has their own teaching style. So it's it's really cool to be able to sit in and kind of just learn from the best. Right, yeah. And when you talked about um, going international and seeing different places, it's um, I personally haven't had the opportunity yet, but I know in Long Beach, um, Dr. Bitter and Dr. Young kind of push us to go, like Campabilities, I believe, is yes. what it's called. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm hoping that I can spend a summer in Alaska or wherever just, mm -hmm. I know a few of us in the CAPE program too have been discussing it, that when we graduate, we do want to participate in that. Yeah, I think there's one down, Luis Columna, doesn't he have one down in South America somewhere? I think so, I'm yeah, not exactly and, sure where. Yeah, check, yeah, them, check around. Yeah, it's international, so that would be a great experience. Yeah. And is there anything else that you would like to discuss with us that we haven't gone over already? The last thing I would recommend is don't try, well, I don't like to say the word don't, try not to uh, hesitate on asking your mentors, your faculty mentors, or questions. You, you, sometimes you'll see them in the hallway, they're on, they're, their mind is on the next class or on the next thing, they're busy. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But they have office hours, and even if you go in there and just have a question about this law, can you explain 504 versus IDEA? I just can't figure that out. It doesn't make any sense to me have them explain that to you just just give them that time because it you'll learn more I, I say i would say try to really spend that time with the, the faculty and try to ask questions even if it's in the middle of class just ask a question if you don't know it i know it's easy to say that and you don't and you walk out and you're like yeah i should have asked that question so mm -hmm. then make an appointment they have the time with the appointment times and they'll give you that time they they enjoy working with students i know they do so they would give you that time and they like to teach so that wouldn't be a problem at all and they would help you understand and learn. So that would be my advice is to work with your faculty. Yeah, because sometimes as professionals, we think like, oh, we kind of get embarrassed to ask a question or something yeah. like that. Like, oh, we yeah. should already know this. And yes. I know that's like kind of a wall that I've had to yeah. break down. It's like, right. no, it's okay to ask questions. Yes. You shouldn't, you know, you can't expect to know everything. Yeah. And, you know, you won't know everything. So 
Well, sometimes faculty will say, well, I had office hours this week and I didn't have any students come in. So I just sit here for eight hours. You know, they, they just come in for two hours. No one's there. Mm -hmm. So it's use those use that use their office hours. They would prefer to have a student there, uh, you know, to ask questions to help. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing to do. It's a nice thing. To well, thank you for sharing all of that great insight and information about yourself and your program at Texas University. And yeah, we appreciate you coming to visit with us. It's my pleasure. It's really nice here. I really like it here. And thank you for taking the time, your time, to ask me questions. It's a really nice interview. I appreciate it. No thank you. All right, and we are so grateful and so honored to have you, Dr. Lisa, join us. Um, Dr. Lisa was our mentor at Texas Women's University, so it's very fun to to connect our family tree and so that our students can see who we learned from and some of our tips and tricks come from Dr. Lisa and, and Dr. French. So it's been, it's been a pleasure to have you with us and talking to our students. Thank you very much. All right, thanks all. Until next time. Bye. Thank you.